Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hey, this is a national treasure, and the real world's champion, Nick Aldis, and just when you thought, that every possible wrestling podcast name in the world was taken. Nate comes in with a clinch with the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Based on Nate's unbelievable level of praise for me, I would go ahead and say that Nate sounds like a knowledgeable, smart, trustworthy human being and his expertise should be lauded and appreciated by all of the listeners of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. You're listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Now it's time for our host, Nate. Welcome once again to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Last week's show was not postponed because of COVID-19. Don't worry. It was postponed because Spectrum has shitty internet. Nate Maxson here with you. Spectrum got AIDS, yo. (laughs) Nate Maxson here along with my brother Aaron and our special guests this week. First of all, welcome back to the show. Mr. Archie Mitchell. Archie, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Thank you, guys. It's always fun to be here. We always have a crack of time. Uh, I just I have an appointment at 7 a.m., so if we could get it done by 6.45, I'd be happy. <laughs> That's great. And for this show, that might be doable. It might be doable. <laughs> and, of course, also with us is Mr. Chris Wood. Chris, how are you, my friend? Howdy, howdy. howdy. Thanks for having me on again. Yes, sir. This show, this show will be like Tammy Sitch now at the right angle. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You catch her in the right light. She's still doable. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Uh, All right. Go ahead. And who is that off in the background? We always joke when he appears on the show nowadays. He's doing a run in. Kyle Army is I'm here. Back. Kyle back. Kyle Army, the star of We Can't Wrestle Live. Kyle Sleeveless Army is joining us on yeah. the pod. What's up, OG? Not much. I'm like Rock Lizard, just more fat. <laughs> Maybe not. I mean, he's, a little, he's a little portly. So you're like Paul Heyman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Paul Heyman is like, Paul Heyman looks like a condominium at this point. Like, he's just, he's just huge everywhere. You know, in head, ass. In his old age, he's getting rounder. I don't know what happened to him. And, he, and perfectly round, too. Like for right. <laughs> Paul Heyman is like the perfect human embodiment of what the penguin would look like if he was real. 
Yeah, you got rid of that stupid fucking ponytail. God, God damn it, give that man a monocle. The the ponytail is what was keeping him skinny, guys. The minute he cut it, he got fat. <laughs> he, pulled like, all, he pulled all the fat back with that ponytail. He was, yeah. He's like, he's, he's, <laughs> like, like the, he's like fat, what, he's fat the, Samson. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. The fucking Bible guy, Samson or whatever, they cut his hair off and they fucking <laughs> blew into dust. Fucking Haman turned into like a fucking... Heyman's like, damn you, Delilah. Wife sneaks up on him, goes to cut his ponytail. Don't do it, don't do it. Cuts it off. I need a sandwich now. <laughs> hey, I mean, guys. I lost ponytail with, today. with the coronavirus really being a thing, and we're probably all going to die, um, remember back, well, you guys wouldn't remember, but you know how, like, back in the day, like, when you were on your deathbed, like, the last thing you said... Yeah, I totally they, remember the last time I was on my deathbed. I said, remember when people, not remember, but you know how like, people used to be on their deathbed, <laughs> and the last thing they would say would be what they put on their tombstone? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think what's going to happen is the last thing we text is yes. what they're going to put on our tombstone. I agree with that. So I want to go around the room. I want to go around the room real quick and hear what's on everybody's tombstone. Uh, you don't yeah. want to hear what's on mine. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Mine's great. I'm going to put mine. Mine is going to be, I can't remember what serial killer it was, but you know how no. to give everyone a last meal. It's, it's the last thing you texted on your phone. Hang on. Just hang on. <laughs> but it, it is, uh, they, they give everyone their last meal, right? He asked for SpaghettiOs. And no shit, his last Worse before they executed him was I didn't get my spaghettios. Nice. So from now the rest of the time, like that is his last word before leaving this mortal earth is I didn't get my spaghettios. <laughs> I want that on my phone stone. <laughs> I want people to be like, "Fuck did the man get his spaghettios? Why didn't right? Why didn't they just give him spaghettios?" <laughs> well, if nobody else wants to share, I'm going to share what if. If the last thing you text is what goes on your tombstone, I will share what mine is. You guys ready? I told you what mine was. I'm disappointed in mine if I have to share it. I'll share it, but I'm disappointed in mine. Chris, I didn't hear what yours was. Uh, because all I've been getting is like those spam emails. Literally, the last four texts I've sent are nothing but stop. <laughs> Here lies Chris Wood. Stop. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> Archie, if you want to go first, before me, you can. Someone texted me their idea for a raffle that they're doing in another group, and my exact words back to them were, I like it, Faggy McFaggerson. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why, but it just came out, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, oh, no, I just, that's great. I just picture someone going up to your tombstone going, going Faggy McFaggerson. <laughs> I just imagine someone going to your tombstone and seeing that and then Googling the name Faggy McFaggerson to right. see who comes up. Right. <laughs> what is he talking about? Well, you guys ready for mine? Yes. Nate already knows what it is because I sent it to him. Oh, God. But mine would be, did you get a hold of everyone? Question mark. <laughs> I got to poop before we start. His, his is... Did you, Aaron's is here lies Aaron Maxson. Did you get a hold of everyone? I got a poop before we start. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 
mine, because of him, is Here Lies Nate Maxson. Sounds like everyone is joining. <laughs> it's, it's, so non- it's so nondescript. It's great. Yes, well, the thing is, with the ongoing virus right now, it's like the most fitting. So <laughs> True. <laughs> oh, God, that's so bad. <laughs> I got to poop before we start. <laughs> My le- my mine was. Do you know where the Roku remote is? <laughs> <laughs> Here lies Kyle Army. Do you know where the R- Roku remote is? <laughs> and some guys at your tombstone going, "Fuck, I don't know where my Roku remote is." <laughs> no, people that visit him are bringing him Roku remotes and leaving him on his tombstone. <laughs> that's that's yeah, that's the vigil. It's candles and Roku remotes. It's right here, brother. It's right. Here. <laughs> it's right. Here. It's right where you left it. <laughs> Well, if Kyle gets what he wants, it's going to be Roku remotes and Kansas SpaghettiOs all over his headstone. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday night. There won't be any Kansas SpaghettiOs because assholes have bought them all and hoarded them. Tombstone says something about pooping because, well, no toilet paper either. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going to be on here. Aaron's vigil will be toilet paper. <laughs> Since the virus has started, I've had seven rolls of ta- toilet paper, and I still have seven rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> then tell, you have a problem. Tell you guys a funny story, and then so we get I we get our toilet paper, paper towels, laundry detergent, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, from Amazon. It's a subscription thing. You can just pay, you know, it pays every month and the shit comes in a box to my house. So for about, I don't know, three months, they send you an email every month saying, would you like to take anything off this order this month? So for three months, I forgot to take toilet paper off the order. And two weeks ago, I was pissed and looked at my wife and said, we have way too much goddamn toilet paper. And now (laughs) (laughs) I'm king of the jungle. You're the guy on Marketplace that's selling it for four times a dollar amount, aren't you? What I'm trying to figure out is when you go to the store, there's no toilet paper and no cheese. That's not that doesn't yeah, add up. Those two do not add up. Really doesn't. If you're out of one, there should be some of the other. <laughs> I went to Walmart last week, and the manager's like doing an announcement on loudspeaker. We have no hand sanitizer but we have plenty of soap. And all I kept thinking was, is that doesn't add up. <laughs> because they're supposed to be washing their hands. Right. Uh, and were these people washing their hands and wiping their ass before this all started is the biggest question. Right. <laughs> uh, the right. most fitting thing to end WrestleMania. Oh, I just thought of this. You know what should happen at the end of WrestleMania? Like, if Brock Lesnar wins, like, you know who should come out and attack him? Ron Reese. As the Yeti? As the Yeti. <laughs> but he's completely wrapped in toilet paper. <laughs> and have a bunch of Karens chasing him. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 24 titles. 
So now that we have had that amazing conversation about tombstones, this week's show, we're uh, we're in WrestleMania season, so we are going to review some WrestleManias, and we uh, we're gonna we were gonna do this last week, but again, my internet was garbage. This week we are reviewing 1991. It is WrestleMania Seven. Um, the way this came about was Aaron had me pick a random number between one and eighteen. I picked seven, and that's how we got here. So. That's how simple production of a podcast can be, people. You, you didn't like 11 or 13? Well, or I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, I didn't tell him what it was. I no, I know. Pick Why 7, Nate? Why 7? I, I yeah. really, it's my favorite Prince song. I mean, maybe that's... Oh. Okay. okay. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> Are we going to do a Prince episode now? <laughs> Later. <laughs> Seven's a good song, but come on now. What do you what do you got? Bat go dance? What do you, what do you got? Bat dance? What? Let's go crazy. <laughs> Raspberry beret. I'm not saying that any of them are bad. Seven. <laughs> I should have been like, it's a kick ass movie. <laughs> it is a kick ass. Also a kick ass. Maybe seven. No. Seven just resonates with me. Wait a minute, hold on, hold on one second. Did you, are you meaning to tell me you picked the number seven and it was WrestleMania 7? Yes. What the fuck, Aaron, did you just fucking, do they pick one through ten, it's WrestleMania one through ten. No, 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 he said, he just told me randomly in a text message, pick a number between uh, one and 18, and I picked seven, and he said, then that's the WrestleMania we're going to review. So I had no idea uh, that it was going to be you a and going in. Aaron knew exactly what number you were going to pick, though. He had well, no, seven. I didn't know what... Jesus Christ, guys. You're getting lost in the fucking weeds. <laughs> Nate had no topic for the show. I said, what are we going to talk about? And he said, I have no fucking idea. And I said, <laughs> that's, not exactly, that's not exactly what I said. <laughs> it's, it's what you inferred because you didn't text me anything back. I texted, what are we going to talk about on the show? Nothing. 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 (laughs) Pick a fucking number between 1 and 18. And then you said 7. And I said, fine, that's the fucking WrestleMania we're going to talk about. That was the production. (laughs) (laughs) Stop overthinking it. (laughs) And I was like, that's hot shit, pal. (laughs) And there's your production meeting. All right. Well, and how weird is I, it that we're? I, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. Nate's Bruce Pritchard to his Vince. I just give him an idea, and then he goes with it. I like it, pal. Well, how how appropriate are we and, picking and, a WrestleMania that had to leave the LA Coliseum and go to uh, Sports Arena? And we're actually talking about a WrestleMania that is not going to be at uh, wherever the hell it is. They're in Florida now. It's going to be at the Performance Center. At the Performance Center. And they say multiple locations. Does that mean, like, multiple locations, meaning there's numerous buildings with rings in them? Is that what we're no. talking about? No, what, I'm reading, what I've been reading is, is that the actual wrestling matches will happen at the Performance Center over Saturday and Sunday. 
and when they gotta like do like a, a an interview or maybe a look back at a, a how the storyline began, they're gonna do it in a band. one of the guys on ESPN that works for ESPN and Fox and let them be from like another remote area talking about it. Okay, and I did I did read that they uh, since it's since it's uh, going to be um, since it's going to be with no audience, et cetera, et cetera. They're actually thinking about even pre-taping some matches and some segments yeah. so they, they don't have as many people in the in the they're building at the same time. After tonight, after tonight, they're taping the next two Raws and the next two SmackDowns leading into WrestleMania uh, on Monday. Well, because you can only have so many people inside a building or something right. like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think the number is 10 right now at a time. Mm-hmm. and they were, like, they were like, only... only um, the government was like, non-essential people have to stay home, and Elias and Baron Corbin were like, shit. Shit, right. <laughs> well, here's it. the really bad part. You, want, you ready for the real At least that, uh, Nate, at least Nate. I fucking hate no, Baron Corbin. The horrible <laughs> part of it all is, is they had to cancel the WrestleMania, the two WrestleMania Battle Royals, the men's and the women's, because that's 30 people each, and they couldn't bring 60 people to the arena. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody who thought they were getting a WrestleMania paid, they got a phone call like, stay the fuck home. We don't need you here. Did they ever say, and and this can be the Nate, I know you want to keep shit on it's okay. horse or whatever, but did they say what they're doing about the Hall of Fame? Yes. Um, uh, SummerSlam. Yeah, the rumor is SummerSlam. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Like, I was worried, and I know people can say what they want to say about the Hall of Fame or whatever, that, oh, it's stupid. But it, it's not stupid for the guys that are and the gals that are doing it, you know, that are, like, getting honored or whatever. And I was worried about that. It's like, you know. Definitely. Bulldog and Liger and, and Vader going in was a big deal. So, I mean, that's, they can't, that, that'd be, be horrible to rob them of that. Yeah, like, Vader's family, they should get the opportunity to be able to go and get accolades from the people that you know appreciate them so I, I'm cool with that and I know everybody's saying oh they should have cancelled everything else now nah, don't cancel it do whatever you gotta do but I was just worried that the Hall of Fame would have just been like somebody well, sitting down getting interviewed by my, fucking Michael Cole or something so I'm cool with that there's been reports that Vince is doing this as damage control because his insurance company he has to um, like try to save face with them, and by doing it at the performance center, if they end up telling him, "Look, it's not worth it," then he gets a boatload of money from his insurance company for damages. But by him, if he's the one that pulls the plug, then his insurance company can take money from him. He'd owe Tampa the money that they paid him for them coming to the you know Florida, so he could, he, he runs the risk of losing a lot of money. And, well, and that was that was why. That was why Tampa and Vince were playing chicken for a week and yep. a half. Um, because nobody wanted yep. to pull the plug because whoever pulled the plug suffered the financial right. hardship of the whole thing. The people but I feel the people I feel the bad feel the worst for are the the indie feds. Um, a friend of yes. a friend of Aaron and I, Mr. Barry Rose, was gonna have a championship wrestling from Florida reunion down there um, wow. during WrestleMania weekend that he has to pull the plug on. Um some yeah, I feel bad for all the incendiary people that that were around that were gonna you well, know because I mean Wrestle, Indi- WrestleMania is, then- WrestleMania is a huge thing for everybody in the business. 
No, that, you know, the, all the indie feds, all the young guys who were going to be getting work, and then all of the international people who bought tickets and bought plane tickets and can't now get refunds, you know, people who are coming from the United Kingdom and, and wherever, you know, it's it's not just about the United States. It's about so many other people getting the raw end of the deal here. Absolutely. Now, they so might get their ruples back. They might. They might. So speaking of- I mean, you guys, you guys know what we're getting, right, for WrestleMania. It's going to be the TakeOver, NXT TakeOver, mixed in with everything else. What do you mean? So they, they canceled NXT TakeOver, right? right? They expanded out over two days. We're not getting two days of three-hour pay-per-views. Oh, no, I guarantee you it's going to be two days of eight-hour pay-per-views. God, all the NXT matches thrown in. Pack a fucking oh, lunch. Jesus. More than likely. More than likely. Which I can't watch all that, so I'll wait till it airs and just fast forward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as as much as I know everybody on this show right now is a wrestling fan, um, as far as entertainment goes, I think all of us can say that, that our favorite form of entertainment is wrestling. We live, sleep, eat, and breathe it. But... So, even sometimes, even I mean, it's just too much. <laughs> it's yeah. just it's just too much. I could well, sit there and watch. I put, out, I put out there what I think they should do. I think they should do as long as this is going on. They should do basically shows that were like primetime wrestling and TNT. Yeah, and I agree and with that. Do that, and and don't don't write it. Like, you can write the prime time thing, you know? Like, if you take, like, um, Corey Graves and Michael Cole and put them, on a st- put them on a studio set and just pitch it to matches, you know? Right. Like, hey, let's look at this match from Clash of the Champions, or let's look at this match from, <clears throat> from Raw last week or whatever. And they tape everything. They tape every house show. Nate, you and I went to a couple house shows. They film all. All yes, they do. They, they you know? film yeah, it. they do have matches they can show. I agree with that. Yeah, so so just show a couple house show matches that you haven't seen, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. But also, just do fucking TNT and let, like, um, and, and you guys might poo-poo this, but Michael Cole, when you don't produce the guy, is pretty goddamn funny. Yes. And, and he's, yes. and he's he, if he's not produced... He's he, quick-witted as fuck. He is. I mean, and anybody that doesn't, has not. If you want to listen to Michael Cole unproduced on commentary, watch watch him when he does the UK pay-per-views, when he has done them before. He's not produced on those. And he's a fantastic play-by-play guy, and he's witty. Or if you, and, want, to hear the, if you want to hear the guy quick-witted, dig into, like, the weeds of YouTube and find the... Um, studio or the the satellite broadcasts of like smackdown nate you know what i'm talking about right yeah where they cut the commercial but they're still talking over the the matches that's fucking michael cole let michael cole do like a tnt type deal where hey we're not going to produce michael cole and we're going to sit him out there and he's going to interview like the new day but we're not going to produce the new day we're just going to let them show their personality we're going to put michael cole with his his sidekick fucking i don't know 
any of those get Byron Sachs and he can make fun of Byron Saxon for an hour. Please. And and like he brings out fucking uh, Randy Orton. He's gonna interview Randy Orton on the set and let Randy Orton be Randy Orton. You know what I mean? Here's the thing. I'll look. I will agree with you on that one. Any wrestler or announcer not produced when you let them go organically and speak from themselves is entertaining. So all they'd have to do, like you said, is put them in a in a, a studio type setting. Do an interview, and then if you want to cause drama and prolong storylines, is let the guy's rival break in on the interview and try to get into a fight with him and have security pull them out, and that's it. That's five people total. And they they had done it. They did the talk smack, and it it went over well. I mean, look at what they did for the Miz and and everything else. And the other benefit you're going to do is if you take these guys and you put them in an environment where, okay – we're going to take a Michael Cole. We're going to sit him behind a desk. We're going to take, for however long this lasts, these guys and put them out there and let them organically speak and still work the, work the angles going into WrestleMania or whatever you're doing. Guess what might happen? You might find a guy or a gal that you had no idea what they were capable of and be like, holy shit. This I person turned on, I turned on SmackDown for four minutes tonight, all of four minutes. And the first thing that popped up, it's the contract signing between Goldberg and Roman Reigns. And I'm like, who the fuck wants to watch two guys in an empty arena sign a contract tonight? You know, no one cares about Goldberg. And you're still stuffing Roman Reigns down our throat. So how about not sign that contract and let The Fiend and John Cena do another interview like they did two weeks ago? Which was fantastic. Right. Because they hate us. Right now, Vince McMahon hates everybody, I think. Yeah. We're all like, you're not going to have WrestleMania? You're all going to suffer, He's pal. He's blaming everybody for the coronavirus. Right. <laughs> Your fault. God damn no, it. He's not, no, he's not blaming Saudi Arabia. He's probably on the phone with Saudi Arabia going, I should have just held WrestleMania there. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll, yeah. br- I'll bring Yokozuna this time, I promise. Right. <laughs> uh we are going back, back, back in time here to WrestleMania 7. We're talking March 24th, 1991, the city of Los Angeles, California. And we're at the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena, which Kyle alluded to earlier was not where we were originally going to be having this show. Um, 16,158 in attendance. And uh, there is, we'll, we'll talk about the, the Hogan Slaughter angle later on in the show, obviously. But. Um, who believes their story and who believes the, the real story on why the, uh, <laughs> the that venue was changed? <laughs> I I think that I think the two go hand in hand. I think that that I'm sure the, the government came to them and was like, "Look, this may not be safe," and that was all the reason they needed. They're like, "Oh, great, we got an out." Yeah, because <laughs> we, we got an out now. No. Right, we've only sold ten thousand tickets to this fucking thing, and it's going to start in about three weeks. Yeah, I'm sure Vince McMahon was wiping his brow like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you saved us. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Death Threats. Thank you. You saved us. Talk um, about a drop in attendance, though, from six to seven. I mean, oh, absolutely. Um, 90,000 to 16,000 mm-hmm. because you went Warrior Hogan at six, Hogan Slaughter at seven because. That's what every kid wanted to see was Sergeant Slaughter as a world heavyweight champion, ladies and gentlemen. Well, and, and what, what my, my, 
question to that is, um, because after after the Hogan Savage feud cooled off in '89. Heading into 90, yes, Warrior was over, but obviously his title reign proves that he was not the draw Hogan was. He was not the draw that Vince thought he was going to be. Business started cooling down in late 89 going into 90. So I guess my question is, domestically, if they would have held WrestleMania domestically and not in Canada in 1990, do you think it still would have drawn as big as it did being held in the Sky Dome? And I think no. I think in the States, they probably would have run into the same situation they ran into in, at 7. Possibly, yes. I mean, maybe in like with SummerSlam and Wembley Stadium, if they would have done that, they might have sold out and had right. a crazy you know, attraction crowd. Mm-hmm. Because obviously London and you know England wants pay-per-views. They've been wanting WrestleMania for years. I, I think people wanted the mullet versus the skullet. I think it would have sold. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I don't know how they didn't go back to Hogan versus Savage by seven to let them, you know, granted Warrior wasn't the draw, but I mean, Warrior could have dropped that title to Savage and we could have had Hogan versus Savage at seven, which would have been our rematch from five. And maybe you let Savage go over this time. Right. You know, even if Savage wants to take time off, why not do Hogan versus Savage time. with you know, hey, whoever loses is retiring. Right. Right. Yeah. Title and career. Yeah. But what we got was good. Now we start the show off with our, as my notes say here, the national anthem sung by Willie Make-A-Wish Nelson. God, how, who smoked pot with him <laughs> and convinced him that it was a good idea to wear all that shit out there? Especially the this, this is what, 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 It looks like they <laughs> took Willie Nelson to the birch table, grabbed an armful of stuff, and was like, put this on. Yeah. Boy, all of it. You're the Intercontinental <laughs> Champion tonight, Willie. <laughs> this is what I put. I think Willie Nelson is wearing more gimmicks than the early 90s Diamond Dallas Page. Give him like a good looking Has anyone ever seen the movie Office Space? Yeah. yeah. Okay, when they she kept the, the manager kept telling her you need more pieces of flair. I feel <laughs> that's what they did to poor Willie. That was you need more, no more. Put up, put on a hat, put on a shirt. Put on, yeah, but I'm just want to wear my bandana and my vest. I don't want to. No, put on more, Willie. You got to go out there and Hold represent. Glasses, bitch. <laughs> and, glasses. And, and Willie was like, "Oh, say, can't you see? I have too much on." <sighs> well, he weighed a hundred pounds, but he was wearing two hundred pounds more. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, they couldn't even give him a good, like a, a nice looking intercontinental title. They gave him the damn foam one. You guys are missing the beautiful, <laughs> you guys are missing the beautiful part. He fucking killed it, man. <laughs> he did. It yeah. is one of the best renditions of America the Beautiful ever. <laughs> he had no band. It was just him, and it was just <laughs> Nelson being fucking amazing. <laughs> it was fantastic. I love me some Willie Nelson. One of my favorite songs, and none of you guys are even going to know it, is the Willie Nelson song, Buddy. Do you guys know the song, Buddy? I know, Buddy. I think so. Great song. Uh, laugh with me, Buddy. Oh, it's fucking great. But when I hear Willie Nelson sing, I feel 
fantastic inside. How fantastic did you feel when Gorilla introduced his special color commentator for the next oh. match? Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh. Jesus. Let me tell you if something, Gorilla. Well, live mic, it was Hacksaw Jim Duggan. That's my opinion. <laughs> my God. It, at first, I was, I was like, okay, this is going to be kind of fun. And then, like, within, I don't know, two seconds, I'm like, oh, never mind. <laughs> I think Hacksaw Jim Duggan did a good goddamn job on commentary. Really? Yes. I thought, I thought, I don't know. I barely understood anything he said, but okay. <laughs> With the big top hat and the commentary, I wanted to call him Appalling Creed. That's what I wanted to call him. <laughs> I, did not, I did not enjoy Hacksaw on funny. commentary. That's funny. But he did a good job. <laughs> and I'm going to say this. That but fucking crap. Compared, compared to, to what? Compared to what did he do a good job, though, is what I want to know. Uh, I'm going to say this. And you guys are going to get mad. Okay, so get mad. Whatever. My favorite wrestler of all time is the Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay. Randy Savage was a fucking terrible commentator. I, I would agree with you. Fucking terrible. But in this one match alone, Jim Duggan did a better job commentating than Randy Savage did his entire time commentating. But Randy Savage wasn't really meant to be there to be a commentator. He was meant to be there just to be on television so they can keep him relevant. He didn't want to be commentating either, so... Right. I'm just saying, I didn't Vince mind him dugging on commentary. Didn't mind him. Vince told Randy Savage, look, you slept with my daughter, now you gotta do commentary before you leave the WCW. <laughs> I mean... So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought Jim Duggan did okay. Alright, so... And I liked his big hat and his stupid outfit. It was fun to me. I enjoyed it. And I'm going to say this. This fucking crowd, okay, they started loud, and they just fucking went the entire yeah, time. Yeah, this, this, this fucking crowd was lit as fuck. Yeah, this was a hot oh, yeah. crowd. A hot crowd for this mania. The whole, whole fucking night. The Rockers do a promo, and then we get a match between the Rockers and the Barbarian and Haku, and I wrote, of course this match was good. Considering everybody Bar that's in it, this was a great tag team match. Barbarian? Barbarian? Nate, you know I'm gonna say this. Fucking Barbarian is critically underrated. Yes. Critically underrated. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And Barbarian and Haku together is one of my favorite combinations ever. Like, when they wound up in WCW, when they were the faces of fear, fucking badass. This fucking match is fantastic. How did they never get the right run? Like, Keenan as their manager the first time in WWF, and then Jimmy Hart as their manager in WCW, and never got a single solitary tag team title run? I, I think it, it... I think they... It's funny, because they are two of... 
and, and this is just my assertion, obviously, and, you know, the show's called We Can't Wrestle. None of us are workers. None of us are – but my assertion from, from talking to people I've talked to or seeing things that I've seen or shoot interviews or what have you is these guys, these guys are two of the most badass dudes in pro wrestling yes. history. But they are also two of the most least political and non-confrontational guys. So I think that maybe – being soft-spoken, non-political guys who were just, you know, they were just happy to be in the business in great hands. And I think they probably just never ruffled mm-hmm. enough feathers in the, you know, because those are the guys that get the fucking belts. I mean, let's be honest. Um, very rarely does a yeah, guy right. who, who, very rarely does a guy who doesn't play politics get to be champion, you know? They're, they're like, they're like the Bob Holly of tag team wrestling. Good point, but I mean... To lose to the Rock, look, the Rockers were a great established tag team at this point. Oh, they the Rock team up. won this match. The, the the Rockers, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The Rockers to beat them made no sense because it's like, all right, the Rockers were beating teams like the Orient Express and the Beverly Brothers, but Haku and the Barbarian were like three times the size of them. So. Well, I, I think the Rockers should have won the match, and and but I'm just saying like the reason Barbarian and Haku never really got a fair shake is like what Nate was saying was that they were just two dudes that were out there like hey we're gonna go out there we're gonna do business we're gonna make our money and then we're gonna go home and whatever bite a guy's I mean, fucking nose off if he messes with me right. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Army, call, Mr. Wood. Call, call me fake, I'll make you eat your own dick. Mr. Army, Mr. <laughs> Wood, do you guys have thoughts on this match? Uh, here's my problem with this show overall, is that it's a good show. It's just there's so much crammed into it, and nothing really gets time. Except for, you know, really the Ultimate Warrior Randy Savage match and the Hogan Slaughter match, nothing really gets a lot of time. To actually build story. Just when you get into it, boom, it's over. And that was that yeah, was that was that was, that was kind of a that was kind of a if you look back at it, that was kind of a symptom or, a, or I guess not a symptom, but a a flaw of most of the first seven those first seven WrestleManias. There weren't unless it was one of those two big attraction matches. You probably got. I don't know, six to eight minutes, and you were out of there. You know, you look at WrestleMania three, heralded as one of the greatest cards of all time, and then you watch the card, and there's a couple of good matches on it. You know, I mean, and, and I'm not hating on the on the card at all. I mean, it's WrestleMania; it was cool, but there's not a lot of great matches on that card. Well, let's say this, guys. Okay, we're gonna say, oh, this didn't get a lot of time, or that didn't get a lot of time. Okay. Mm-hmm. But we were just bitching about how WrestleMania now is eight and a half hours long. Because it, no, no, hold on now. Here's where I'll defend that though. You didn't. You're not giving me eight and a half hours of quality wrestling. You're giving me three and a half hours of quality wrestling, and then five hours of Michael Cole and Corey Graves talking about something that doesn't make any sense. Or I mean, like, if you look, if you look up and down the card. I mean, honestly, what, what, why did we need to see Texas Tornado versus Dino Bravo? Why did we need to see Earthquake versus Greg Valentine? Well, we haven't talked about it yet. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, why did we need to see fucking Mountie versus Geo? Scott Bakula with 
your quantum leap or whatever. <laughs> going ahead. I think it's, slow down, uh, motherfucker. I think the problem that goes on with WrestleMania every year, because this is where I'll disagree with you, Nate. You said that the the first seven WrestleManias, the matches were rushed and no one got time. That even happens in modern day WrestleManias. Like you go back to, I I think it was WrestleMania 27 or 28, Rey Mysterio versus CM Punk. That was, uh, yeah, that was 27. Yes. Yeah. They got 11 minutes with their entrances. I mean, that's a match that should have gotten 25 minutes. Right. You know, they, they, they cram so much in the card and then now it's, well, now we got to rush to get this because Puff Daddy wants to come out and sing a song. And we got to rush to get this because uh, we need Stephanie to do an in-ring promo that could be saved for Raw. Right. You know, it's, they, they want to do or too we have much. To, or we have to play a commercial for the WWE Network where people are already that we're watching. watching. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, 14 matches on a like, card. Hold on, guys. Back hold on. Hold on, Archie. I'm sorry. Hey guys, oh. those of you out there listening, don't forget to listen to the Weekend Wrestle podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There's my <laughs> moving to the WWE Network next yeah, month. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> they may need they may need content. Fuck, I'm gonna hit them up. <laughs> yeah. so our next our next uh, um, thing here, Gene Okerlund with the celebrities. We got Alex Trebek, oh, Regis Philbin, oh, cool. and Marla Maples. Gene was, oh, this is great. Yes, it was. Gene was always good at schmoozing with the celebs. I love it when he looks at when he looks at um uh Regis, he's like, Regis, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. My long <laughs> my my long time close personal friend, Mr. Regis Philbin. <clears throat> Anybody any other thoughts on that there, Aaron? I know you have some thoughts here. This was stupid. <laughs> it was nice to see the the celebrities just these like were celebrities other than Regis I'd rather have my celebrities backstage than in the ring competing I have a question here anybody in the next match not firmly convinced that Kerry Von Erich was completely fucked up <laughs> oh god Dino Bravo Put himself in holes in this match. Yes, it was. It was. It's sad. It's actually sad to watch. It's it's one of those things that, like, knowing what's to come. Mm-hmm. It's and you can say that a lot throughout the show. I mean, with fuck, even with both of them. I mean, even like later on, like with Elizabeth and stuff. It's, up, man, watching because it's like you know what's going to come. Like you know, tornado, not gonna end tornado, well. tornado's going to shoot himself, and Dino's going to get shoot by Canadian gangsters. <laughs> Those are a real thing. Pay your money, eh? <laughs> you bet you sure will knock you. We'll do it. <laughs> where's my money, Hoser? Where's my money? Yeah, where's my money, Hoser? You bet you sure I'm going to put a cap in you, eh? <laughs> That'll fucking teach you. That'll fucking learn you to not to be fucking around with cigarettes. <laughs> All right. Don't mess with the Toronto Titans, eh? I don't know. It just sounded like a Canadian gangster name. <laughs> they would too. They would. They would. 
You got the blood, you got the crypts, and you got the Titans. <laughs> Don't mess with those Quebec Quaaludes, eh? Tell you that right now. I fucked you up that day. It was the only Quaalude was the only word that, that rolled off the tongue just then. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Mabel should have paid us back. <laughs> Oh, God. So, overall, this match was nothing to write home about. Anybody have any other thoughts on uh, Tornado and Dino Bravo here? Nope. I like both the guys as wrestlers. But it was not a great match. And what I will say about it is, I think Dino Bravo, who I'm a big fan of, or a big fan, I was a big fan of, I think should get a lot of credit for going out there and doing what he did in this match. Yep, total pro. And oh, so side note, I didn't because I didn't write this down, but I don't know why it just made me think of it. Tornado seemed to be fucked up during the whole match, obviously, and Dino had obviously taken a, a stiff shot to the nose at some point that week because he had a broken nose. Probably fucking working with Terry Von Erich. <laughs> True. <laughs> These mania matches don't just get put on the show. They work the fucking loop. Mm-hmm. And they got to work and perfect these matches going into WrestleMania. So Dino Bravo probably had to work with this fucking hose head the whole fucking night or the whole fucking week. And he probably got punched in the fucking nose at least twice by this fucking goddamn pilled out monkey. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Gosh. Dang. <sighs> no. Oh, people have fucking goddamn glory eyes on fucking Kerry Von Eric because he was this big fucking star. When he fucking died, he was a pilled out fucking stoned goddamn idiot. Sorry. True. True. And he shot himself in his fucking heart. Fuck that guy. So, moving on from that sad story. Up next, we have the Dr. Stoslik and the Ooh. Warlord, who uh, anybody that knows, listens to the show, has heard a number of times, Nate, I believe I am the world's biggest Warlord mark. You're not. You're not. Me and Batista. <laughs> yeah, Batista, trivia note, Batista has said multiple times that Warlord is, is his favorite wrestler. And I'm okay with that. Warlord wasn't necessarily a ring technician or a ring general or anything, but I always thought but the, the your guy, favorite he was menacing. What? Is your favorite wrestler, Nate? No. Well, he's Batista's favorite wrestler. So Batista likes him more than I do. But he was, I always thought he had a good presence. He was menacing. Um, he, 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 he played, he played the role that he was to play to perfection. And when I was a kid, I dug the Warlord. I thought the Warlord was cool as shit. He had a cool look. Yeah. Uh, the, thing, the thing you watch when you watch him, he doesn't need to be an in-ring technician, right? That's not his gig. Yeah, he don't. He, he's not a. He doesn't need to be a Bret Hart or a, you know, mm-hmm. or Game Boy or anything. He's fucking what Braun Strowman was, right? I just know these goddamn promos between fucking Slick and Warlord and the British Bulldog had too many goddamn. Puns. Dog cliches at him. I, I have Jesus written on my Christ. I have written on my notes. Warlord and Bulldog interviews 
too many stupid puns. <laughs> too, many, too many goddamn dog cliches. And that that thing Fuck. was dog. That poor fucking dog. <laughs> he, did not, he did not seem to want to be there. <laughs> you hear the stories of what they did in some of those animals. It's like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, what Mel Phillips did to that poor dog. <laughs> Winston's like, I looked down and he was sucking me paws. And when I say balls, I mean balls. <laughs> oh, shit. Look, Slick looked like a pimp in his pink suit. He did. Yes. Uh, this match was completely predictable. You knew it was going to happen. But the and... crowd, again, this crowd was still hot for it. Oh, oh. Crowd was hot for everything, but it was a predictable match, and they just kind of did some big man moves, and then it was over. It wasn't offensive, but it just it was what it was. Yes, and this feud, I remember even as a kid thinking, man, this feud is. I mean, they drug this feud out for like <laughs> from like the Rumble to like Survivor Series time. Like this feud lasted all fucking year. It's like, you don't have anybody else to feud these guys with? Damn. <laughs> and see, I'm going to talk about this in a little bit. It wasn't even a good year-long feud. No, it should have ended at Mania. That should have been the end of it. Yeah. Chris, any thoughts on this before we move along? Um. Really, the only thing I wrote down was, like, the pre-match promos. It was... You could just tell that, especially here, Davey was never comfortable having to do promos, and it showed really, really bad on this one. Yeah, well, he he got he got a little more comfortable once he was a heel with Cornette, because I mean, I think I think more because Cornette and him could play off of each other, and he got to show his he got to show his what do I want to say he he got to show his personality more as a heel, I guess. Um. But yeah, I agree with you. And this time, all of his promos were always very awkward. And at this time, he was also uh, very, very blown up. <laughs> he was he was very poofy. He was very poofy at this time. Well, that and the promo also reminded me of like your favorite bulldog-related soundbite of whether he wants to or not. Yeah, he's going to win whether he wants to or not. <laughs> and then he was like, I guess not. No. <laughs> And I'm just like, oh, you literally just pretty much did that kid soundbite, but for yourself. <laughs> so, and the other reason Chris remembers the verbiage is because he just watched it five minutes ago. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> kayfabe. We just broke kayfabe here. Uh, so the next matchup, we've got uh, the Nasty Boys. And the Heart Foundation. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You, you, you jumped the gun. Me and Gene Okerlund interviewed the Nasty Boys. Yes. And he's with Jimmy Hart. And I've watched several interviews with the Nasty Boys managed by Jimmy Hart. And in every fucking interview, he goes, because I'm Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South, and I'm with the Nasty Boys. Nasty Boys. <laughs> Why does he do that? 
Well, it was the 90s. You had uh, Public Enemy. You had, uh, what's his name? Flavor Flav. Yeah, boy. But he, every time he was like, ah, I'm with the nasty boys. <laughs> the thing that I noticed in this interview that I probably didn't notice back in 19... 19- didn't go, I was with the, I'm with the Mega Maniacs. <laughs> or the Mountie. The thing I noticed. I, pro- I probably didn't notice this when I was a kid, and maybe the intention wasn't there. <laughs> but Jerry or uh, Brian Knobs does call the Heart Foundation and stinking pink. <laughs> 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 I was like, "Wow, that means totally. That means something totally different to me at forty-one <laughs> than it did at 12. <laughs> did he mean it like that? The stink. I'm sure he did. He did, and if you notice that with Jimmy Hart, like if you look back at his click, like every time he managed somebody or somebody's, you know what they were? They were in constant motion, man. Yes, Hyper. like Jimmy Hyper. Hart's people had to be in constant motion the entire time. Very high. Like Jimmy Hart managed the most insane motherfuckers in professional wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, Jimmy. Like his group, his group was on fucking cocaine the entire fucking time. Yeah, boy. It didn't matter who you were, if you joined the goddamn first family, you best be on the cocaine. Yeah, I was gonna say, Jimmy Hart. The you entire join, fucking time. You join Jimmy Hart's family. The first thing that happens, you get in the locker room. He throws you a, a bag of white powder and goes, "Look, look, baby." <laughs> you think you took you some bumps before? You see these jackets, Woo. baby? <laughs> <laughs> I got a megaphone, baby. <laughs> this is how we roll. <laughs> you're, you're gonna take you're gonna take bigger bumps than you've ever taken in your entire life. Oh man! Oh, Jimmy Hart. <laughs> I do have oh, a Jimmy. I do have a question. <laughs> Am I the only person on this call? that thinks in, like, the 90s, like, in this era, like, 89 to, like, probably 93, that the Nasty Boys weren't fucking half bad. No, they were good. They they had good matches. I actually have that written down. They had good matches against the Steiners. They had good matches against the Heart Foundation, the Legion of Doom. Like, their, 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 their Steiners match, or their Steiners feud... Is one of my favorite WCW tag team feuds ever, personally. I love the match at that Halloween Havoc. I think their match is awesome. They're the perfect example of a, of a great team that if they are working with somebody that is, you know, really good as a tag team, they can work their style and around them. Yeah, they're absolutely great. But you put them in the ring with the Mod Squad... Yeah, you put him in there with the you put him in there with the mod squad. It might be kind of ugly, but you're right. I mean, and to Aaron's credit, I mean they had some this this era of their career anyway was uh, was really good. It's really just I mean at some point in their career, especially especially Brian Knobs, they got kind of like fat and complacent. I guess is the best way I can put it. Yeah, I'd say that's kind of what I wrote down too. I wrote down that I personally feel they're often overlooked because they were tough as shit. They knew how to bring the heat and get whoever they were facing over. 
but I think that Nobbs' friendship ultimately kind of overshadowed their in-ring work. Yeah. Yeah. And and because of that, like I said, he got because he had that in with Hogan, he got lazy. <laughs> yeah, and um so you're saying about the Nash boys. The one thing I'll put about like the caveat or whatever I'll put on this is one thing is during this match they show Macaulay Culkin mm-hmm. and Bobby Heenan says that little brat tried to upstage me the other day so I had him thrown <laughs> off the set. <laughs> <laughs> that, that made me happy. Oh, Bobby Heenan. Because they show him in the crowd as the hearts are coming out and Gorilla's like, that youngster's very happy, and then Bobby's like, "That little, that little guy tried—he didn't call him a little guy, but you know, he just seems like he tried to upstage me, so I had him thrown off the set." And girls like, "Come on, Bobby," and whatever. But that was fun. Just to show you the fun of Gorilla Monsoon, folks. In Gorilla Monsoon's mind, Macaulay Culkin and Carlos Colon are youngsters. Yes. Um. But I will say this, we were talking about this match, which the Nasty Boys won, because great, they hit Kim um, Neidhart with the helmet and pinned him. Great match, um, great match, super heat. Oh, it's a fantastic match. And they're probably number two on my favorite tag team of all time list, but I don't think there's a better tag team that complements each other better than the Hart Foundation. And when I say that, it's because they work completely different fucking styles, but they mesh it together better than anybody else could. Yes. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. my, 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 My favorite tag team of all time is the Steiner Brothers. But other than other than Scotty doing like the Frankensteiner, they basically do the same shit. You know, they basically do their their big suplexes and their high impact moves or whatever. But there was no, nobody, no tag team that was completely different but meshed as great as Jimmy Neidhart and Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. That's Brett, Brett could do what he could do. Jim could do what he could do, and then they would just mold it. I won't. I won't rant anymore. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It, it, it's really interesting to watch this, knowing that by next year's WrestleMania, that Brent and Sean are going to be on their track to stardom. Mm-hmm. A lot. Really a lot changes, at, you know, between this mania and the next mania. Um, Oh, it's nuts! It's crazy. And then by the time you get to nine, it's just even com- just a completely different business. Almost, it starts mm-hmm. to become a completely different, at least for the WWF. Well, I wasn't going to write that down. That there's a lot of guys on this show, but this is this is their last WrestleMania. Yes, a ton of guys on here. So far, we've got. Let's see. It is Hacksaw's last WrestleMania. It is. Um, Janetti's last yeah. WrestleMania. It's Barbarians. Yeah. Haku. Um, Dino. Dino. Tornado. Warlord. 
and yeah. So, what's that? Nightheart. Nightheart. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Um. Snooka. Well, we haven't got there yet, but no, go yeah, ahead. But, okay, I, I'm sorry, I mean to jump ahead. No, that's okay. There's a lot of guys. So. Right now, guys, what we're going to do is uh, we're almost at our hour mark. I always like to take a break at the hour mark for our listeners. Um, So we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we will continue. This is our intermission. WWF used to do those intermissions during the pay-per-views. We'll do an intermission here. When we return, coming up, we'll still have to discuss the main event. We have the blindfold match. We have the career match. Covering WrestleMania 7 here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. We'll be right back after this. Well, 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 you can't wrestle. So what did you do? You went out there and you started a podcast. You got that right. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And I am Brian Pillman Jr. The We Can't Wrestle podcast is a podcast about wrestling and a bunch of guys that don't know how to do it. But I, Brian Pillman Jr., I'm very good at pro wrestling, so I don't need to start a podcast called the We Can't Wrestle Podcast, but I'll gladly put my name on the brand. I'll gladly go on the line to say that the We Can't Wrestle Podcast is one of the most informative, most balanced, non-biased podcasts out there. Thank you very much, and have a good listen. All right, wrestling fans, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Of course, we've, we're done with our break, so this is my time for shameful plugs. But first, I have to say, for those of you that are saying, where the fuck did Archie go? Archie's uh, granddaughter, Winter, started throwing a bit of a fit while we were recording, so he had to go tend to family business. Um, and I to- he apologized to uh, myself and the listeners and the fellow co-hosts, and I said, no need to apologize. Um... Winter is now a part of the We Can't Wrestle family, and as the youngest, she is the boss. So go, go take care of that. Winter, did, babies Winter be did not approve of WrestleMania 7. <laughs> Winter did not approve of WrestleMania 7. <laughs> That's what they say. You know, babies be tripping. <laughs> and that being said, thank you, Archie, for being on the show as long as you could be, my friend. We appreciate it. And um, don't forget, listeners that are not members of our Facebook group, Please do join the group. Going to have a contest coming up in the next week or so for members of the group to get their friends to join. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube page. Lots of things going on there. We're going to we're going to be moving some live things over to the YouTube page, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, in the year 2020. And also, one more thing. Don't forget, of course, about we can't wrestle live, where you can see Kyle every single week. Aren't you lucky? We can't wrestle live, yeah. where, where we talk about the modern product of professional wrestling um, on the we can't, and on the Facebook group and, and, and the YouTube page. And when I'm able to, I am trying to get over um, watch-alongs. Yes, and that was the next thing I was going to say. Go ahead, you pitch your own was shit. Was it really the next thing you were going to say? <laughs> yes, it actually was. He's like, pitch your own shit. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and pitch it, brother. <laughs> All right, Aaron has been doing 
watch-alongs starting this week on the We Can't Wrestle Facebook group. Um, he is picking, and only two of you fuckers have been contributing. He, Come on, guys. He has been watching. Um, I think he watched a, uh, a WCW Saturday Night, which I watched with him, a WWF Superstars, a Nitro. Uh, we wa- He watched a, uh, was it a Steamboat Austin match? No, it was uh, Staying in Steamboat. Sting no, in not Steamboat. Sting in Steamboat. Sting in Sorry, Staying in Steve Austin. Um, where you can you can just join Aaron on the Facebook group. It's no cost, no nothing. Just have some fun, watch some old wrestling. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch this shit by myself. I could do this on my TV, man. <laughs> join in, have some fun. Let's make let's make fun of some shit. Let's have a good time, guys. Again, if you haven't joined the Facebook group, there we get we get we even give free stuff away on the Facebook group. So there you go. There's my pitches. That's what we're we're done with that crap for the week. Here's my pitches, bitches. <laughs> I was thinking of exactly the thing. Was... B- b- bitches get pitches. <laughs> I just called all of our listeners bitches. I didn't mean that. Bitches get pitches. Mark for edit. Okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. We're uh, we're talking WrestleMania seven this week on the show. And uh, hey, do you know do you know what a wrestler that would be out of the um, we can't wrestle podcast would be a wrestler at what? Like a wrestler that would be born out of us. <laughs> it would be Mark for edits. <laughs> Oh. First name Mark, last name for edits. For edits. <laughs> well, okay, so now you made me... I have to say one more thing in the pitch department, and this really isn't a pitch department. Aaron will agree with me on this. I want to say, uh, for those of you that are part of the Facebook group, you know that uh, pretty much every week I share the latest episode of a podcast called the Breaking Kayfabe Podcast which is one of my favorite podcasts in the world, hosted by two guys I really like, Barry Rose and Jeff Bowdrin. And Jeff Bowdrin, one of the hosts of the show, this week was unfortunately diagnosed with lymphoma. Um, So if any of you out there listen to the show, if you don't listen to the show, you absolutely should. Aaron will attest to that. And for, for those of you that listen to the show, and for those of you that don't, if anybody can send some positive, good vibes the way of Mr. Jeff Bowdrin, We'd really appreciate that as he is fighting lymphoma. And it's, uh, it, it sounds like they caught it a little late. It might be kind of bad. So we're all just, we're in there for you, Jeff. Hang in there, buddy. Yep, you got it, man. Kick cancer's ass. All right, so now we'll, go, out, we'll, get, we'll, get into, uh, we'll get into the more of the wrestling here, the WrestleMania. The next thing here at WrestleMania 7 is a, uh, a video... Summing up the feud between Jake the Snake Roberts and the model Rick Martel. Now, can any of us as kids not say that this is one? This is not was not at that time one of our favorite feuds. Absolutely, I could not say that. Kyle, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. I'll I'll say this: watching the show. The first clip they showed, okay, was October 6th, 1990. Mm -hmm. All right? That was when 
Jake was on the Brother Love show, and Martell was out there, and he sprayed him, and it got in his eyes. Okay? Right. That happened on October 6th, 1990. This show happened on March 24th, 1991. Does anybody get where I'm going with this. The hell of a bill. Yeah. October 1990 to March 1991. They built this shit for like six fucking months. You can barely get six weeks or six days out of a fucking wrestling show now. Mm-hmm. See, the thing, like, it immediately took me back to, you know, watching it, the whole thing happen and everything else. You feel bad for Jake. You're like, oh my God. You know, who doesn't remember seeing his, uh, the, when he had the contacts in to make it look like he was blind? Mm-hmm. Like, that shit scares the fuck out of you. You're like, oh my God, like, Jake, you're going to be okay. Then. <clears throat> match happens. And as the referee is showing each other each, each competitor the, the, the hood, the referee sticks his fucking hand in it and you can see his hand through the match. Now, but see, little dude me and didn't notice that. <laughs> don't don't and, let don't let little shit get in the way of a good story, motherfucker. No, this is true. But here's the thing. I'm not mad at the referee. For, for doing that, you know, I understand. Now you're making me feel like Vince or Pat, motherfucker. But, <laughs> but, why the fuck did they shoot it? Why did they cut away? <laughs> they fucking left it. Like, god damn it. Don't let lo- logic get in the way of a good story, motherfucker. I'm not, but it's just it's hard to, it's hard to, it just breaks your immersion <laughs> you see shit like that you're like oh for all the for all the terrible things which he deserves that Aaron and I say about Jake Roberts on this podcast I ha- I hold steadfast that even though he's a piece of shit human being as a professional wrestler he was a great performer and him and Rick Martel two great performers and they did every single thing right in this match cuz this could have been a nightmare this could have been a train wreck it could have been and it probably should have been. And what I'll say is, I don't, I don't mind the fact that it was a blindfold match. Mm-hmm. But part of me wishes it wasn't. Part of me just wishes, wishes it would have been Jake getting his hands in a regular match on Rick Martel, because it was two of the greatest fucking workers. Of their era. So imagine. Like this blindfold match. Was fantastic. For a blindfold match right. Yes. Imagine what they could have done. If it would have just been a no disqualification. These guys are going to beat the shit out of each other match. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to go back and look. I'll have to go back and research. Because I don't remember. Um, I'll go back and look. Did they ever have any. Um, 
non-blindfold, like Saturday Night's main event matches or anything? Because I know they had the Survivor well, Series teams and et cetera, but... Yeah, they... It was the Visionaries and the Snakes. Mm-hmm. But no, they didn't have any that I know of. I, I don't want to be like, oh, Aaron spoke like a dick and didn't know what he's talking <laughs> about. They might have had like a match on Superstars or something, but they never had like a main event match that wasn't this... As a shame, because mm-hmm. it would be fantastic. Like just Jake the Snake Roberts versus Rick the Model Martel in a match. It'd be fucking fantastic. Christopher, your thoughts on this? Um, me so personally you just watched it two minutes ago. <laughs> uh, I personally feel that it was one of the most iconic displays of fan manipulation power and storytelling. Yes. Like, I, it's one of the storylines and matches, like you said, that you just always remember. They they had the... Especially Jake as the babyface. He just had the crowd in the palm of his hands. I think more than... And I don't know... I don't know how much everybody has watched of Mid-South here in the show, but... I think that Jake did better with the blinding angle than JYD did in Mid-South. I mean, to me, personally. I know there's probably people out there listening that would disagree, or there's probably people out there listening that don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But, um, yeah, I think I think you're right, Chris. I think that, that Jake, I mean, he just, he literally just held that crowd in the palm of his hand. I also wonder when the hoods went on if Adnan just started swinging the sword. <laughs> no, because it, it wasn't, wasn't. Settle down, buddy. Settle down. <laughs> We're not taping this with a beta. Just settle down, buddy. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Fast forward to 2005. Poor Muhammad Hassan. All right. So we covered Jake and the model there. Now, the next match, we start... Oh, no, 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 nope. before that, Marla Maples is back there with the Nasty Boys. Oh, I forgot to Nasty write that boys. down. Nasty Boys! I forgot to write that down. Yes, she was. And then Earthquake and Dino Bravo show up, and then the camera cuts off right before the gangbang. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Marla Maples, you can tell. Marla Maples didn't want to fucking be there. She was like, oh... Back to the stink of the pink. Her eyes were as big as saucers. She's like, my husband is sitting in the front row, and he cannot protect me. And he was like, the gangbang is going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. So nobody caught my line there, or it just wasn't funny? I don't think I caught your line. Oh. Aaron said gangbang, and the nasty boys were there, so I said, so now we're back to the stink in the pink. (laughs) (laughs) All right. <laughs> so, oh, no. <laughs> now we move on to the beginning of the streak. The Undertaker and Jimmy Snuka. This is where the streak began. This is where The Undertaker became the phenom and Jimmy Snuka stopped being the phenom because at this point they're referring to Jimmy Snuka as the phenom of the WWF. What do we think? I mean, there's not a lot to say about the match. It was kind of a basic match, you know. I mean, it. I I just thought it was weird seeing Undertaker, no pomp and circumstance. Yeah, just, just I'm a walk to the rig. 
I don't need 432 druids and 87 torches and a fog machine and 13 minutes of a thunderstorm. And, all, yep, look, I'm already in the ring. The match is over, and I'm already all my way back to the back. Yeah, pretty much. I think, I think, I, I thought that Snooka was a real pro putting him over here, though. I mean, yep. Um, say what you, say what you want about Jimmy again, much like much like Roberts, piece of shit human being. But you know, in the in the long run of the thing, we're talking about the the, the performance. We're talking about the show, and I thought Jimmy did a good job of being the vet, putting over the uh, the young guy that's on his way up. And here's something that I'm I missed in pro wrestling today. When uh, once Undertaker beat Snuka. It's just a little, and it probably was like a throwaway line at the time, but like now, especially, but when Bobby Heenan's like, that was Jake, he just beat Jay, or he just beat Jimmy Snuka. Like, that's Jimmy Snuka. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. That's where I miss. It's like where, you know, it makes it feel even more special when, like, the announcer's like, holy sh- I can't believe, you know. Yeah, doing their job. <laughs> yeah, well, I made yeah. a note of that, but I also kind of wrote down given their overall response to the end of it, you could tell at that moment with that tombstone, no one had an inkling of what had just started. Mm-hmm. No. They were just like, cool, damn, the new guy, out of nowhere, beat a legend. You could just <laughs> tell that they were like, okay, if they only knew. And um, the Did someone just yell for Corona? What? Corona! Boogie that, boogie that. Boogie that, boogie that. The dedicated to the undertaker streak but one of our more loyal listeners of the show is mr ray stevens so (laughs) now that show off his disease if there's an audience to be found (laughs) (laughs) all right they botched the fuck out of the end of that match by the way kind of sort (laughs) of no not kind of sort of they fucked the Jimmy Snuka fucked that match up at the end. Actually, it's not even Jimmy Snuka that fucks it up. Mark Calloway fucks it up because Jimmy is supposed to do the jump off the rope. And Tigger doesn't catch him right. And then he has to put him down and then pick him up again and then give him the fucking tombstone. It was a little, it was a little, uh, a little wonky there at the end. But overall, the match did its job. Don't um, let, hey, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. <laughs> yeah, you know what else is funny on this thing? Um, What's that? Um, Bobby is t- talking about who's in the urn, and yeah. somebody close to them, and. Gorilla goes, what are you talking about, Brain? And then Bobby goes, don't concern yourself with family matters. And the minute he said that, I get, in my mind, I went, did I do that? 
So now we move on from that match to a match we've talked about a number of times on the show. We'll talk about it a little bit again. One of the better WrestleMania matches, especially of this era of WrestleManias. Um, up for debate, I say this is the Ultimate Warrior's best match. Yeah, and it, it showed in the beginning of it, it showed the building up to the match. It showed one of the coolest like segments in wrestling history. Warrior and Sherry? Yeah. Where she's like begging Warrior to give Randy a shot, and then he's like, no, and Randy freaks out. And then during the, during the, it, you know, there's little things in like 90s. Oh, there, there's a big thing in that there's, deal <laughs> where she hits knees and every dude in the crowd's like, he's a, she's about to give him a blowjob for a title match. <laughs> speak, mm-hmm. speak to me, Warriors. <laughs> he's like, oh, oh, yeah. Everybody thought, holy shit, Sensational Sherry's about to suck that dick for a championship shot. It was a great build to the match. And again, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if you guys all agree. I do think that and I think that there were there were a few guys in his career that could pull a good match out of the Warrior. But I think Savage pulled Warrior's best match out of him. Yeah. And I mean the, the story and the drama definitely added to it. Uh um and BTW, that happened on November 23rd of the previous year. So that's showing another fucking angle that built for almost, how, or for so many fucking months. You can do this shit <laughs> if you tell a great fucking story. Well, you also gotta remember, now we have like the equivalent of what, damn near 10 plus hours a week of wrestling, so they're like, that's oh, their own fucking anything out that Just much. stop doing it. No, trust me, I agree, but that's going to be, that's their excuse now why they can't drag and they have good They don't have that stories. excuse now. People are dying. Just <laughs> cancel shows. Nobody will care. What I'm saying is they still had the they still had shows they still had superstars they had wrestling challenge they had prime time there were still shows but they were well written and this is but this is another reason that you can make the case and i know i'm getting off topic but whatever this is another reason you can make the case that as much as at the time we all loved it the monday night wars fucked professional wrestling because once you started making every match a competitive match between two big superstars. Once you started giving away pay-per-view quality main events, every week is your main event on wrestling, you can't go backwards. So they, they turned up the volume, and there's no way to turn it back down. So, again, like I said, as much as we all like have this nostalgic feeling, or at the time we loved the Monday Night War era, because it was like nothing we'd ever seen before... It, it it got us to where we are today. It, it it pretty much let the cat out of the bag, 
And you can't put the cat back in the bag because you're going to get all scratched the fuck up. <laughs> and you know what I mean. I mean, it's just as a stupid euphemism, but it's it, it, it today's wrestling and, and where it's at is the result of what we all really enjoyed back then. But maybe just maybe we should have been like, whoa. Does that make sense? Does anybody agree with me? Disagree yeah. with me? Yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring up a random thing. Mm-hmm. It's just random, and then we can go back to whatever you guys want to talk about. Okay. Okay. I think jobber matches can still exist. I don't. I don't think you can do. I do. Now. I do. I think they can still exist, as long as the company that's promoting them gets behind it. You know why? Do you know why? Because do you remember a guy named Ryback? Do you remember him? Vaguely. (laughs) (laughs) Ryberg. Yeah, I remember him. Ryback was going out week after week after week for a while. One week, he would beat up a jobber. And then he would beat up another jobber. And then he beat up two jobbers. And people got into it. And they did the same thing with Braun Strowman. And, and, and people and, get into and, and, and it. I, and and I, then I, they put him out there, and then they just have him lose to somebody. And it, it fucking sucks. I understand what you're saying. They've just recently done it with the Viking Raiders, too, so... And I understand what you're saying, but my counter to that is because of the Monday Night War era and because of the way that that made wrestling become presented, you do that with one guy with a modern wrestling audience and for about six weeks it works and then they lose interest. You couldn't do it like you do it like we watched when we were kids. You could not do that anymore. Not in today's entertainment environment. Not in today's uh, uh, streaming environment where people have so many options for, for entertainment. The attention span isn't there. And you could never get it back. And you well, have, then I you, hope it doesn't come back. Re- re- wrestling fans have been conditioned. And especially, I mean, I'm talking about like, you know, kids my son's age now. They don't know anything about squash matches. My son thinks when I watch an old WWF Superstars or an old WCW Saturday Night, that shit is fucking boring to him. You could never, ever bring it back. And I'm not saying that we wouldn't enjoy it. What I, I'm just presenting the facts in that we can, you can never put the fucking genie back in the bottle. Well, then I hope, I hope on April 5th, Brock Lesnar flips fucking... Drew McIntyre into space, and then it's just fucking done. Then, <laughs> and all we got is what's left on the fucking network. And then on April twenty or April fifth, twenty twenty, fucking wrestling ended, and it never existed again. <laughs> no, then we can't do a well. We can do a podcast because we, we can do a podcast. We, we cover classic shit on here. Years of good stuff. <laughs> to talk about. All right, so Savage Warrior, quickly. What? It's fun. It was great. I was not too keen on the very end of the match. The fact that fucking Warrior is like looking up to the heavens, being like, "Oh, 
like, oh, my hands are telling me not to do it. The gods are telling me not to do it. And then he was like, oh, never mind. I'm going to do it. And then he just put the fucking foot on Savage. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I made a note of that, too. Looking back on it, I, I'm not digging the arrogant foot on chest pin. Sure I gave this match five stars. And I'm sure where you're, you know, insisted on that. Maybe Savage insisted on it. I don't know. Because from what I understand, and again, I don't know these two gentlemen. I don't know Vince McMahon. But from what I understand, the the, the, the decisive kind of way that Warrior won was actually what Randy wanted. Because at this time, Randy was kind of planning on not wrestling anymore. Um and you know he's master psychologist, and he he wanted his heel character go, to go out that way. Um, so I mean, if it if it was a decision between the two of them, I understand what you guys are saying about the the, the lackadaisical finish or what have you. But if it was a if it was a decision between the two of them, and that's the way Randy wanted to get go out, then that is what it is. Well, I gave this. I seriously, I wrote down that I gave this match five stars. Because of the story, the in-ring of it, like the story that built to it, the in-ring of it, and the post-match of it, this is one of the greatest wrestling stories ever fucking told. And if you think about it, even though Warrior wasn't involved at the time, the story started in 1984. Yeah. Like, this was a multi-year build to this guy treating this woman like a piece of shit, okay? And not understanding how important she was. And then at the end of his fucking career, I have given this woman so much shit. I have treated her this way and that way and this way and that way. But at the end of it, she understood what I was and what I am. And now my, my sad bitch is kicking my ribs and treating me like shit. But she's like, uh-uh, motherfucker. We ain't doing this shit, bitch. And throws her down on the mat. And they end up fucking embracing and hugging. And some dude in a fucking raincoat is super sad out in the crowd and we're super happy and Randy Savage opening the fucking ropes for Elizabeth is fucking fantastic it's like the only time in professional wrestling that you could look at it and be like this is a love story and it fucking matters I just rambled stupidly sorry no, because I agree, because some of the stuff I wrote down, that this is the forever memory of WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And, like, even now, watching it 29 years later, it still has that emotional investment. Mm-hmm. Storytelling. 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 It's fucking Beauty and the Beast, man. You know what I mean? It's like... It's just an ultimate story, and it's Randy Savage 
for years being a piece of shit and then his career ending and realizing, you know what? I've been a piece of shit for all this fucking time. And I realize it now because I got the love of a good woman. So now I'm going to go home and not be a dick anymore. So after that, we have a series of interviews that are uh, just goofy. And I don't know, and I don't know about you guys, but like, I, I assume this is where the intermission and everything happens and stuff. <clears throat> and the one thing I can I can think and say is that we need this in wrestling now. Whether it's, whether it's a 15, 20 minute intermission, this was great because it gives the fans a chance to digest what they just saw. Mm-hmm. And, and when they're, back, they're ready for, you know, the next like they're not burnt out right. not just boom 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 you, boom boom you need to go take a leak <laughs> you need to go get some popcorn what the fuck ever this is your opportunity um absolutely and the only thing I have here though is I mean there were some some interviews in here the interview with Regis Philbin and uh, Tenru and Katow could probably not happen today <laughs> me oh. me Regis Philbin you <laughs> no, absolutely not. And even, and even, look, I let me let me let me emphasize this: that I am not a racist. I'm just going to my body. Okay, so I'm saying this as oh, well. oh. Let me say this: I left the room to pee real quick, and I came back, and I heard somebody go. Let me emphasize this by saying I'm not a racist. So I want to hear what's going to be said. Oh, we were we were just we were just talking about the fact that you could not do the Regis Philbin I Regis you at WrestleMania with Tenru and Katow interview today. Oh but, yeah, because in that interview, fucking uh, Mr. Fuji says he's gonna ha- he's gonna take out his Jap manager. That's what I was getting ready to say. Was yeah, that's why I was like, so please don't. I'm not referring to the Japanese people as that. This is strictly what Mr. Fuji said. But yeah, it's, even though it's Mr. Fuji, still, it's like to say Jap. He wasn't, like, and he wasn't even Japanese, he was Hawaiian. So, well, But you know what I'm saying, though. Like, he is looked at as. Right. But it's like, ugh. <laughs> uh huh. Tough stuff, man. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't age well. No. No. All right, so we got through those interviews, and now we have the match of the <laughs> the quickly declining Demolition. I wrote here, from WrestleMania 6 to WrestleMania 7, Demolition became great value. Demolition. <laughs> and it's no offense to the performers. It's just, you know, but once once Vince got his hands on the LOD... And it's crazy, too, because I never, ever, I am always a person who contends that I don't think Demolition was a copy of the Legion of Doom, because Demolition was its own thing, and I actually like Demolition better. But it was almost like once Vince got his hand on the Road Warriors, he forgot about his Demolition. And they had the shit go down with Billy. <laughs> yes, and, and Bobby Heenan says 
some funny shit. Oh, God, yes. And Nate, I'm going to say this. Demolition faced who? Tenru and Katow. And Bobby Heenan said... Gorilla Monsoon, said, Gorilla Monsoon said, this is Demolition versus... Tenru and Katow. And then Bobby Heenan said, what was his name? Hantow? <laughs> No fucking lie. I spit my goddamn pop out. Gorilla Monsoon said, here comes Tenru and Katow. And Bobby Heenan said, what's his name? Hantow? And I, and I love... I Jesus love fucking Christ. That is the funniest thing I've ever heard Bobby Heenan say in my entire life. And then Bob, and then Gorilla said, "No, Brain, his name is Katow." And then Katow got in the ring, and then he you know what Bobby Heenan said? He said, "Ooh, that's one big fortune cookie." <laughs> well, Monsoon says something along the lines, "Goddamn hand towel joke was so fucking funny." His name is Katow. What's his name? A hand towel? Jesus Christ. But then, but like I said, they follow it up. Because I, I, I can't remember the actual verbiage, but somehow Monsoon says, like, oh, his name could be Fred. He's like, name's Fred Katow? <laughs> no, no, he said, he, he kept saying hand towel. Bobby kept mispronouncing the name. That's right, that's right. And, and, he kept saying, oh, hand towel. And Gorilla was like, you're mispronouncing it. And Bobby was like, I, I could, I, I can't pronounce his name. And Gorilla was like, his name could be Fred, and you'd mispronounce it. And Gorilla, and Bobby was like, his name's Fred Hantow? <laughs> stupid name for him. That's a stupid name for a wrestler. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> it's fucking fantastic. Tenru and Katow are like representing SWS <laughs> at WrestleMania. And, and Vince has built this fucking and, working relationship with SWS in Japan. And Bobby's calling it hand towel and a big fortune cookie. It's fucking fantastic. Okay, now hold on. Don't say anything, anybody. Because this is, uh, after the Demolition Tenru Katow match, we have, we're going to go into the Big Boss Man Mr. Perfect match for the Intercontinental title. And the Boss Man does an interview. And this is, this is one of my favorite Bobby Heenan interviews. Because there's, there's a couple of great lines in this one. Him and Perfect are talking about the, uh, the Boss Man. And this is around the time of the the Rodney King incident in Mm -hmm. Los Angeles. Bobby Heenan, first of all, says, so you heard about this thing going on here in L.A. One of my favorite descriptions of a person ever is his description of the guy that filmed (laughs) the Rodney (laughs) King incident because he says, so there was some Hammenegger in the bushes. (laughs) (laughs) 
slays me every time I watch. I've watched WrestleMania 7 like 58 times in my life. And when he says some ham and egg are in the bushes, the way he says it is just classic. And then he says, don't worry. Don't worry. You don't need the camera. We'll facilitate the we'll facilitate the camera. We'll facilitate the incident. You just sit there on your rented sofa with the spring popping out. <laughs> I love this fucking promo, man. This is one of my favorite Bobby Heenan promo. It's funny because Aaron said this earlier on. He said that's his favorite. By this is a great promo. He's so good here. But anyway, he's so on point on this WrestleMania, man. He is. He's so good. Bobby Heaton is the kind of guy that's like, every time you watch something of him, you're like, that. that's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, Bobby that's my Heaton. favorite. Yeah, it's like Carlin. It's like, what's my favorite Carlin shit? You know, like, damn. <laughs> Whatever I just recently watched is my favorite. Like, <laughs> yeah, Ham and Egger in the Bushes. God damn it. <laughs> He's a big fortune cookie. <laughs> oh, okay. See, that makes no sense when he goes, oh, he's a big fortune cookie. <laughs> like, I mean, it makes sense, but it doesn't. It's so funny. What's his name? Ham towel? <laughs> oh, God damn. Is Chris Wood still here? Chris Wood, are you still here, buddy? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> Chris is just listening to us ramble. And by the way, the big boss man is in the top five greatest like gimmicks of all time. Yes, and does anybody else disagree with me that probably from from when he turned face in ninety through this time till probably maybe I don't know, right around Mania eight. So let's go WrestleMania six to WrestleMania eight. He was in the best shape he was in, and, and I'm not. I'm not even saying it was the best work he did, but during this time, he just he just looked the best he looked. You know. Oh yeah. He wasn't. He wasn't the best. Uh, well, he wasn't. He was a good worker then, but he was even a good worker when he was fat as fuck. Yeah. Oh yeah. When he was Bubba Rogers, and when he feuded with Hogan, and. They went at each other on Saturday Night's main event, but at this time he was in the best shape. But I just think the boss man character is in the same realm of his like, like this is gonna sound stupid, but the big boss man character should be looked at as the same as like the Undertaker character. Character, yes. Yeah. Like, this guy had a gimmick that should not have been over at all. But he took it. It was silly. It could have been considered stupid, but he made it believable, and he made you believe it. And it was fan-fucking-tastic. And the longevity of it was ridiculous. It was great. And he evolved it through time. Like, he was a heel correctional facility officer. And then he became a good guy, police cop guy. 
And then he came back at like 98 and he was like this shitty riot officer and was like a piece of shit. Ray Trailer took that boss man character and did what nobody else could have done with it. For sure. And I think we, we talked extensively about this in our um, uh, best big man in wrestling history oh, episode. Sorry. Go back in the uh, the archives and check that out. Um, I'll just shut the fuck up then. Boss, <laughs> boss man, and perfect, decent match. Um, uh, I remember, I remember at this time as a kid being kind of, even though I liked Mister Perfect, I was kind of pissed. Boss man didn't go over, but yeah. Um, see, I will, I will say this about this match. I was super into this. Watching it mm-hmm. as a thirty-seven-year-old man, because every single person in it, I was like super into. You know what I mean? Like it's like okay, I'm gonna sit back. I'm watching this. I dig the boss man. Yeah, I really dig Mister Perfect. Oh, and he's got Bobby with him. That's cool. And then here comes fucking Andre the Giant. And I'm like, yes! Mm-hmm. And then here comes the Barbarian and Haku. I'm like, oh shit. Like, to me, this right here, this boss man, Mr. Perfect match, to me, this was like the fucking main event of the whole fucking show. And what's nuts is when you watch this and <clears throat> you see, even though boss man doesn't win the title, he still wins the match or whatever, and the fans still fucking erupt because of it. Yeah. They're not booing because they're like, oh, and I love fucking, I love Monsoon giving him shit, like, oh, you barely scraped by, you know, what, skin your teeth on that one. He's like, well, I still got, we still got the title. <laughs> and Mr. Perfect, like, like, Kurt Hennig was a dude that could do like ridiculously big bumps and not seem stupid doing it. Yeah. It's it's an art that Dolph Ziggler is really good at today. Yeah. Like perfect could get like like I could watch fucking anybody like get their hit get their head hit off a turnbuckle and then they like do like a a like a 360 and bounce off or whatever. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's stupid. But when I see Kurt Hennig do it, I'm just like, ah, oh, that's fucking fantastic. Like when Shawn Michaels tried to bury fucking Hulk Hogan in SummerSlam. <laughs> yeah, if that would have been Mr. Perfect doing it, because guess what? That was Mr. Perfect doing it at Royal Rumble 90. I was fine with it. And I don't know why. I shouldn't be. It's the same thing, but seeing that guy do it, it makes sense to me. Because he was what he said he was. And he was absolutely perfect. Alright, so we'll just uh, breeze past this. The earthquake and, and Greg Valentine happened. Well, um, yeah, that happened, but before that, it was weird because it was, and I'm going to say this because Bobby Heenan said something really funny. Donald Trump's out there, okay? 
Donald Trump, Chuck Norris, Harry Winkler, and Lou Ferrigno are in the same segment. And then Bobby Heenan said something super funny. About Lou Ferrigno. He said, Nate, do you know what he said? Yes, I do. He said, Lou Ferrigno sounded like he had two or three pounds of crackers in his mouth. He said that about a deaf guy. <laughs> That's um, I bet Lou Ferrigno thought it was really funny. So it doesn't you hear it. <laughs> and then Earthquake and Valentine had a match. Yeah. It was, Why the fuck? It was there. This, the I actually match- wrote down every WrestleMania tends to have that one match. It's just kind of like, uh, uh, hey, this right. is that match. <laughs> this is that this match. This one had two of them. The next match is the Legion of Doom against Power and Glory. And I know Aaron is a huge Power and Glory mark. Yes, I am. And do you think they were booked properly in this considering the circumstances? That that was my question here. I wrote, does Aaron think that they were misused in this WrestleMania? Considering the story, the circumstances, etc., etc. No. Do you think they were used just right? They were just used properly. These guys fucked these big ass son bitches, and they were used properly in this situation. I agree with you. I just wanted to see your take on it, and I do. I also, you know, I also the agree only, with you. The I also, only thing I would have done different, you know, the only thing I would have done different with it was not had Hawk call them sour and gory. Nope. The only thing I would have done different with this is I would have put it right at the front of it. I would have opened the show with this. Okay. That's the only thing I would have done different. I would have LOD coming out right at the front and just fucking beat the shit out of these guys. And just for the record, um, because I know Aaron stated it before, and I, I tend to agree with him that I think, and Chris and Kyle, whatever your thoughts are, you can express too, I do think it's a shame that at some point... They didn't at least give power and glory at least to like a transitional run with the titles. Because I think that those two guys, this is this is the only time that, honestly, God, I'm a, I am a, I am a fan of Paul Roma. And I know Aaron's lambasted me before because he's like, pretty wonderful. But, I mean, really, no. I mean, honestly, this is, this is, the, this is my favorite Paul Roma is when he was with Herc and Slick and Power and Glory. Paul Roma was the shit. I'm going to ask this question. Can I ask a question? You can. I'm going to ask this question. After the years and years that Hawk and Animal put in, and I'll ask Nate first, and then anybody that wants to answer after it can. Nate, after the years and years that these guys put in, would you consider Animal and Hawk WWF guys or NWA guys? Like, are they WWF guys in the NWA or are they NWA guys in the WWF? They're NWA guys in the WWF. 
Goddamn right. And highly overrated, too, by the way. They're not highly overrated. Yeah, they are. Oh, absolutely. They're absolutely overrated. They were good. They had a good shtick, and that's fine, but they're fucking overrated. But I don't want to get on that. I don't want to get on this. I don't want this to be a seven-hour show again. (laughs) (laughs) You know know what I think the perfect analogy for Road Warriors is? Go ahead. They were the Goldberg of tag team wrestling. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that. I, I mean, I see what you're saying. I absolutely see what you're saying, Kyle. I see the analogy you're making. I don't know. I definitely like the <clears throat> the Road Warriors a lot more than I like Goldberg. But I see what no, you're I, saying. No. It was. It's about you know. For them, it was about quick squash matches. If it got too long, they weren't that great, and they really weren't. They really weren't. They okay. People regard them as one of the great tag teams of all time, and they weren't. They were a great attraction, and they were in, they had good matches if they were in the ring with a good tag team, with good wrestlers. If they weren't, it was hot garbage, and they worked better in a quick squash match environment. And that's not knocking them. I'm not knocking them when I say that. But when people tell me they're one of the great tag teams of all time, I'm like behind, um, I don't know, fucking Tully and Arn, Heart Foundation, Rockers, Revival. I mean, if you're talking to me about great tag teams, no. If you're talking to me about great attractions, yes. And there is a fucking difference. I don't. I don't know. I, I went off on a tangent, and I'm sorry, <laughs> but I agree with. I see what you're saying, Kyle. So I agree with you in a respect, but I still. I still have more respect for them than Goldberg. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. And unfortunately, you know, after this, after this WrestleMania, there's not the tag team division takes a real big hit. It does for a while. Yeah, until the Attitude Era kicks in. Alright, so we had that argument. (laughs) Aaron's argument was him going... (laughs) I just heard somebody say that the fucking Road Warriors were like the singles equivalent of Goldberg or not. We'll talk about it later. This fucking million dollar man fucking <laughs> match. Jesus Christ. This is the only time ever that a, a group of people chanted Virgil. <laughs> and the only reason they did was because of Piper. Yeah, and I was about to say that. The the only reason and, and they, they tried to give Virgil this push and you can you can why if you watch the television from when they start to give Virgil the per- push <laughs> until this, halfway through, they're like, oh, this isn't working. Uh, Never mind. Piper. We're going to throw Piper in this because that will at least make Virgil look over. <laughs> and people will pay attention. Yes. Um, but yeah, that that's essentially... Uh, I think we're all in agreement here that even though Ted DiBiase, one of the greatest of all time, uh, Virgil not. So scary. Sherry was like a super skank though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like she was like, Oh, Randy Savage ain't dumping his sperm in me no more. So I'm just going to go with fucking million dollar man. It was like <laughs> in the same night. 
<laughs> yeah, I put here Sherry. Cockhopper? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you think about it, when Savage lost, uh, Monsoon even made the comment that she just lost her meal ticket, so. Yeah. And then she ends up jumping to Sean. Well, she wanted that young dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Awkward silence. She even sang a song for him. Yes, she did. It was god awful. <laughs> which is worse? Hang on, real quick. Which was worse? Was Sean's original song the worst, or was Kurt version of Sexy Kurt worse? Sexy Kurt is funny. Sexy Kurt is golden. <laughs> I'm just a sexy Kurt. Unintended. Sexy Kurt. I'll make your ankle hurt. Ankle hurt. That's funny shit, man. Uh, if you don't like that, you can fuck off. That's funny shit. Yeah, fuck off with your Goldberg tag team analogies. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and sexy boy's funny, man. Like, around that that old ass, he's like, I got this cougar with me. That's good shit. And the fact that he turned around and sang it himself and is still using it and it's over now. <laughs> yeah, and and, and <laughs> you, you know what the most amazing thing about, not the most amazing thing about Sherry Martell, but Sherry Martell is no longer with us. You know? But right. she was a great female wrestler. She was a great wrestling personality, but she still lives on in the fact that she's at the beginning of Booker T's music and she's at the beginning of Shawn Michaels' music. Yep. And as well she should be. As well she should be, and she made the fucking careers of Booker T and Shawn Michaels. Neither one of those guys would be as far as they are in their careers without Sherry Martell. She definitely gave Sean Sean's character so much so much juice, so much heat. And, and tell me that fucking Harlem Heat would not be as big as they were without fucking Sherry Martell in their core. Absolutely. Well they Booker's even admitted that. So if anybody else says anything different, fuck off. So the next thing we see is another throwaway match, however. But no, no, no. It's not even a throwaway match. The next thing we see is Sergeant Slaughter earning a Hulk Rules t-shirt. And does anybody know what that was supposed to be? Yeah, the American flag. That was Vince McMahon wanting Sergeant Slaughter to burn an American flag. Nobody's gonna care. Yeah, okay. It'll be some good heat. And Bob Remus was like, fuck that noise. (laughs) (laughs) Vince McMahon has no fucking idea what's going on in reality. No. And he never has. God bless you. (laughs) I'm sure Vince would have done it. Oh, Vince McMahon would have been playing the Sergeant Slaughter character. He would have burned an American flag. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, he would have. Vince McMahon's you'd have, like had some you'd have had someone dress as Uncle Sam and crucified them in the ring. What the fuck are you talking about? 
Vince McMahon might be my second favorite person ever. I think Vince, yeah. the, you know, a lot of people say, oh, Vince doesn't give a fuck. I think, I think the problem is, is Vince is one of those people who had, who, he essentially created an insulated bubble around himself. So, I, I, I listen to a lot of, of a lot of, um, uh, a lot of other podcasts. I listen to a lot of wrestling journalists like a Meltzer or a Keller or whatever. And I hear these people constantly try to psychoanalyze Vince McMahon. And it's like, you know, you're spending a lot of your life psychoanalyzing another dude. It's kind of creepy. But what I will say is, if, if, if I listen to any of the psychoanalysis of Vince McMahon, if you, if you would... If you would pick that all apart, that's the biggest thing. Is is and and that's this is listening to stories of people that know him, like a Pritchard or a Cornette. He literally, he literally lives a life like none of us have ever lived. But he has no concept of what our life is like. He doesn't know. Cornette tells a story, told a story on his podcast about how back in the eighties or back in the nineties when Cornette was working for Vince. Enterprise or whatever rent-a-car company WWF had a, had a contract with, Vince had what was called this black card. Oh, yeah, and, where he just leaves the car wherever? Yes. Vince McMahon could rent a car anywhere and then leave the car anywhere, and somebody else could come get it. He could leave the car on Halstead, Halstead Street, <laughs> and and somebody else is going to come get it. Cornette's like, I don't know how many <laughs> rental cars Vince McMahon just left all over the United States on random curbs. Um, but he doesn't – my perception is the guy just doesn't he, – he's never lived a normal life like the rest of us since – at least since he was in college – you know, or in military school or whatever, he just, he's created this environment around himself and he's never going to understand how the real world works. There are people yeah. like that. And then that's, he's one of them. And it's a perfect, and I don't, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to get off into a tangent here either real quick, but it's like uh, Kevin Smith tells a great story about Prince. And Prince is kind of the same way. Yeah. Like Prince lives in Prince's world. Like, he'll be like, it, it, it's February, it's 3 a.m., and Prince will come up and say, I want a camel. <laughs> and if you try to tell him, like, that is not physically or financially possible. And he's like, Prince will just look at you and be like, well, why not? To him, it's a, simple, it's a simple request, and it should be easy for someone to do. Yeah, it's a simple request. <laughs> I just want a camel. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think the same thing can be said with Vince. He'll be like, like, I want you to go out and piss your pants on live TV. It's a simple fucking request. I I can do it. I've done it. I don't know why you're having a problem doing it. <laughs> All right. So now we move along to the main event of WrestleMania 7. This, this is going to be fun. Yep, something. What? You skip the Mountie versus Tito Santana. Now I started to bring it up, and then we got off on a tangent, so I'm moving on to the main event. The Mountie gave Tito Santana the shocker. The, yeah, you, you can't skip that match because that's what WCW watched to figure out what to do to Goldberg. The stink in the pink, the shocker. Yeah, he mm-hmm. gave him two in the two in the pink, one in the stink, and Tito tapped out. 
And like Chris said, it's the uh, this was the originator of how we tick out the Goldberg streak. <laughs> and the Mountie said. <laughs> The mountain. Never mind. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. The fucking match was pointless. One of the fun things about the main event of this show: Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter, WWF title. Um, lots of heat on this match apparently with death threats and such. And I, I don't disbelieve that that happened. Like Kyle said when we started the show, I don't disbelieve that that happened. I disbelieve that that's why. They changed the venue. I think Kyle's right. I think they saw that as an out to be able to change the venue. Um, But before we get into the meat of the match, one of the fun things on this is, to me, Hulk Hulk Hogan, Regis Philbin and Bobby Heenan on commentary together. How cool is that? You know what I liked about Regis on commentary? What's that? The fact that he... Okay. He was a celebrity on commentary, correct? Yes. But what Regis did fantastic as a celebrity on commentary, he knew when to shut the fuck up and let the professionals talk. Uh, Yes, he did. Does that make sense? Like, he knew... Okay... Gorilla and Bobby are professional wrestling commentators. I'm going to let them talk. And then when they feed me a line, I'll take it. And when they don't, I'll fucking sit out. And that's what he did. And and another thing that really helped there, and yes, you're absolutely right, but another thing that helped there... I know I am, or I wouldn't have said it. um, ...was that Regis was a wrestling fan. Those are always the best wrestling celebrities or wrestling fans. Fuck Regis. Yeah. Regis had wrestlers on his show back to fucking Blassie, you know, in the 60s. Yeah, he used to let Blassie throw chairs at him and shit. And and he he was a wrestling fan, which again, like I said, always that's why Tyson was such a great wrestling celebrity. You know, cuz he was a fan. He loved it. He just loved being there. And that was, you could tell Regis was just enjoying himself for so many, for so long he had the wrestlers on his show. And I think he was genuine in the interview he did earlier with Gene saying, now I'm on your show. And he was happy about that. He was cool with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or when he talks about Earthquake and the pizza truck. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I mean, yeah, I mean, Regis was a joy during this match and during this show. And uh, I just wanted to bring that up, that I thought that him and Bobby being in the same booth was a really cool... I mean, how yeah. how cool... And, and not, not discounting Gorilla. We all love Gorilla, but how cool must that have been for Gorilla, you know? Like, fuck, I got Bobby Heenan on one side of me and Regis Philbin on the other side of me. How cool am I right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we get to the match. Slaughter Hogan... I thought that for a Hogan match, it was pretty standard. We had some juice and a decent main event, and it had decent heat. Um, Say what you will about the story leading up to it, but I always, when I watch these shows, I like to put myself in the position I was in at the time and and not the position I'm in now. And at the time, 
I thought this was really, really cool. And like Aaron said, the story leading up to it was great. But the match was butt. And it was. But, you know, that's a lot of that's a lot of Hogan stuff. <clears throat> Again, it's it's the story. So you have the heat on the match and Hogan gets his Hogan shit in and that's where you're at. Kyle, what but did you what did Savage you, is good. What did you think about this one, Kyle? I think it's like any other Hogan match. It's not about <clears throat> it's not about the actual <clears throat> match. It's about the one or two moments in the match and then the end. Yes. That's all a fucking Hogan match is about. It ain't about the body of the match. It's about he has one or two moments that they can cut back to, you know, throughout time and then just the end. And it's like Aaron has said on this show before, if you think that a, the Hogan formula is a bad way to have a match, then let's check out their gate receipts. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. You know, you can say you weren't a Hogan fan, but you fucking were. <laughs> Chris, what did you think of this one? Uh, well, I was watching it on mute, so I really didn't get to enjoy <laughs> well, the well, commentary. We, you were watching it. You were watching it on mute while we were talking about the uh, the perfect uh, boss man match. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's pretty much like what's already been discussed. You know, it was. A classic Hogan match. You had your spots. You had everything. You had the guaranteed heat because doing the whole slaughter as a heel, given the time frame of what was going on with everything, it was it was pretty much the ultimate display of Vince knowing how to capitalize on current events. And and I think that and I agree. And I think that I, I've brought it up a couple of times as we talked about the match, but I think that something that added to this match is they kind of, you know, they kind of, as you watch the build to the match, if you watch the build to the match, they talk about how the rules have changed because of Slaughter, and it's Slaughter's rules now, and et cetera, et cetera. So I thought it was cool during the match that they let Hogan get juice, you know, because... Or that Hogan let himself get juice, I guess I should say. Because you didn't see Hogan bleed very often. You're getting to a point, actually, in the WWF at this point where you don't see blood. um, Unless the wrestlers go outside of Vince's mandate and do it on their own. And I thought that it was was a cool touch to this match to kind of take it... You know, you have the Hogan formula, but because of the story, you added the blood just to add that extra level to the the Slaughter-Hogan angle. All right, so. One other thing I did write, though, like, can you imagine today's environment and society putting blood or ripping up a flag? Oh, God. (laughs) It would be like Christmas because snowflakes would be all over the place. Let me ask you guys a question. Okay. Um, Do you think that Hogan getting blood in this match is more a case of the fact that the blue the the bloom is starting to come off the rose. It, maybe I I've just always viewed it as because I I viewed it as just a way to add an extra touch because of the the slaughter rules thing that they had pushed so hard. Right, but, but I I understand what you're saying. Like, were they trying to add an ed, extra edge to the Hogan character? You know, because. <laughs> I mean, because, I mean, to me, it feels like they know that Hogan's time is about up. And it's like they're trying to just squeeze out a little bit more. Right. Because think about it. 
you know, after this, you know, it was, well, Sid's supposed to be the next big guy. Mm-hmm. And then it's Luger, you know, and it, it feels like that this is the last, like, Hogan, like, at his heyday. Right. Yeah. Because you go to WrestleMania 8, and yeah, he's in the main event, but the fans are starting to turn on him. Absolutely. I mean, if you watch the unedited Royal Rumble from 92, they boo the shit out of him when he pulls, uh, when he pulls Sid out. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Overall, Aaron, how many stars? You rate on stars. How many stars did you give WrestleMania 7? He's not even here. Kyle, how many stars did you give WrestleMania 7? I'm here. I, I gave it three and a half stars out of five. Chris? I'm here. We hear you. Chris? Uh, I gave it a four. Okay. Aaron? I gave it uh, um, four and a half stars. And I gave it four Jeff Farmer yeps. So I'd say overall, this was a pretty damn good WrestleMania, guys. Well, I hope you've all enjoyed the WrestleMania 7 edition of the Weekend Wrestle Podcast. And just a reminder as we close the show, if you have not yet, join our group on Facebook. It's a lot of fun. Check out the YouTube page. A lot of exclusive things coming to the YouTube page in the year 2020 if we all make it through alive. And also, uh, check out the Asylum group on Facebook if you're a collector of wrestling merchandise. Great group to be a part of. And check out the Asylum Wrestling Podcast, also available anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. So I'm going to sign off right now for Archie, Kyle, Chris, and Aaron. This is Nate Maxson signing off, and we'll see you next time around on the We Can't Wrestle podcast.